Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. So in in terms of introductions, uh, I'm Danny Rivers, and uh, I've been a member here for a long time. Gosh, it'd be hard for us to figure out what year we started here, when that actually started. Um, I, I serve several, and serve in several capacities here. Uh, one is I'm on the security detail. I'm on the security team. Uh, one is I'm an overseer, so I'm in, I'm in leadership for decision-making, that kind of stuff. Um, what else am I at? What else, what else do I do? Um, oh, I'm head of the finance team. I am going to talk budget a little bit. How did I forget that? Um, so your budget team is uh, Dr. Becky Parnell, who we call Dr. Dr. P. Um, not Pepper, but Dr. You know, there's a Becky that's the church secretary, and then there's Becky, uh, that's Becky Henley, and then there's Becky Parnell, so you have to say Dr. Becky or Dr. Parnell so you know who you're talking about. Um, anyway, Dr. Parnell, uh, Emily Carlock, Wesley Hale, Nick Ray, and myself. That's your budget team. Uh, so I'm going to, uh, and, and we're going to talk about money today, and I talk about money a lot. Uh, it's my career. <laughs> it's my profession. What I do professionally is I manage uh, investment money. So I give advice on the stock market, give advice on all kinds of financial matters. So I don't help people budget and save. If, if I ever looked at your cash flow, looked at your budget, and I suggested a couple of ways where you could cut expenses or where you could do something, what I've noticed is people don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> they don't listen to that. So I, that's not my line of work. After you have the money saved and, and you know you're going to not need the money for a while and you want to invest the money for your future, that's the kind of work I do. That's the kind of financial advice I give. And I've been doing that for over 30-something years. We've been married 40 years in April. 40 years in April. We've been making our 40th wedding anniversary world tour for about a year, and we still do. Wherever we go, we say we're celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary, which will be in April, so we're not even there yet. Then we'll celebrate it for a year after that because it'll be our 40, 40 years. Um, so that, that is an awesome thing. That is a miracle. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> that's right. Um, so in terms of announcements, I want to make a couple just real quick. Um, the most important thing is Bunko. There's a ladies' Bunko night coming up on uh, Tuesday, January 9. There's a sign-up sheet back here. There will not be child care, uh, but you need to bring snacks and food. So there's a sign-up sheet uh, right over there uh, to, to, if you're going to come Tuesday night, January 9th, to Bunko. And also, our CivicQ team uh, has hit the road, Jack, on the way back. And so we want to say a, a prayer for them. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for it. We look forward to hearing all the things that you did. We look forward to hearing the miracles, the small things, the big things. Uh, we just are so grateful that we were allowed to serve, that we had the resources to go. We thank you for those people who went, for the time they took off work, for the time that they contributed, for the time they give, that they gave. And Lord, you were so merciful on their way there, and we just pray the same thing on the way back, that your travel and mercy is on them, and they get back safe uh, and ready to share in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are going to talk about money uh, for just a minute, and... Uh, I, I think I want to start with the fact that we're in a new building, and I'm not much on New Year's resolutions, uh, but I, I, am, I am all about new beginnings, and, uh, and certainly we have one. And, and the church at the Armory, uh, if, if you know any of the history, most of you probably do, we were in a different building a few years ago, and I probably uh, took a lot of you through the building, and I, and I would say, have you seen this? <laughs> Have you seen this? If we stay here, we go broke. If we stay here, we're not going to make it. If we stay here, I, I'm, I'm, I was, I was, I'm telling you, I was very, very concerned about our, our financial condition there. Now that we're here, a lot has changed. Uh, the good news is we've sold the former building. And in terms of a budget report, I'm going to give you a handout here in a couple of weeks, maybe before the end of January, I'll give you a, a handout if you want one. Um, the good news is that your utility expenses last year, in the old building, your utility expenses were $25,000 a year. In this building, so far, 
your, your utility expenses are about $500 a month. <laughs> so so you, you came from $25,000 a year to $6,000 a year, and that's, that's a really great savings. That's a really wonderful thing. Um, your elevator expense in the old building, uh, your elevator expense was $6,000 last the year before, and your elevator expense in the new building will be <laughs> so, so we save $6,000 because you don't have an elevator to maintain. Um, the really good news is that we sold that building for more than we uh, spent to buy this building. We were able to buy this building uh, with no debt. So, that, so, so you, as a church, you're not in debt. You don't have a loan. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, the good news is we have about... $59,000 in a building fund because that was money that we got from the other building that we didn't spend on buying this building. About $59,000. Now, the challenging thing is that money can be, get spent very, very quickly. The fire marshal's already told us the, the uh, adjustments and the changes we need to make to the building. We need to make some new doors, some, some exit doors, some breakaway doors. We've got to repair some doors. These two glass doors right here that go into this other side of the there's actually a separate building. By the way, if you've not seen that side of the building, that's what we call phase two. If you've not seen that, grab me afterwards, and I want to walk you through it because there's a lot of work to be done over there. But the number one thing that needs to be done over there is a heating and an air conditioning system. We got bids when we first moved over here. That That's about a year, year and a half ago. They're out of date now. We're trying to get rebids on that. We got one just the other day. It was about $50,000. So there's your $59,000. That's, that's $50,000. The other $9,000, of course, there's a lot of repairs. There's a lot of things we want to do over there. There's a lot of things we want to do in here. Uh, we, we want lighting. We want sound system. We want sound in the back. We want uh, staging, uh, the, the worship area, uh, the, the, the sanctuary area. Um, there's a lot to be done. But I just want to say we're in good shape. Today I'll, today I'll just give you the summary. I'll give you the, other, the more detailed budget later. I'll, I'll give you a two-page summary. Um, it, I'll give you a 15-page full detail. It doesn't matter to me. I'll show you whatever you want to see. Um, I'll come to your class. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, you know, deeper, deeper explanations. Um, but the short version is on the budget, we're on target. Your budget team... Myself, we've looked really hard at how much income came in last year, and it was about $350,000. And we looked at how much income went out last year, and it was about $350,000. <laughs> so the good news is we're on target, and the challenging news is uh, there's not much cushion. There's not much extra space in there. If you brought in three fifty, dollars not a lot of excess, right? If you brought in three fifty dollars and spent three fifty. dollars but I believe that's about what we'll be at next year, unless conditions change, unless things happen. So I want to spend just a minute on uh, giving methods here at the Armory. Uh, just so you know, uh, it's kind of old school, but Jim Jones would really understand. Uh, we, we still accept cash, don't we? And paper checks. Jim and I are in that crowd that we would, we would write a paper check. And then what I've discovered from a lot of people, in fact, your pastor, Chester Passmore, says he doesn't carry cash. He doesn't have any folding money. You don't carry cash? I see you shaking your head. Um, I, I got to have cash. <laughs> I got to have some money. Uh, it's not just a tip the valet, you know, when you're out, when you're traveling. It's just, you, you got to have, anyway, a lot of people don't carry cash. So that's why we do text to give. And that's why we, we encourage people to give however you want to give. I just want to make a note that when you give by text to give and give by credit card and give by check and give by credit card or debit card, it costs about 3%. So if you give $1,000, the church gets $970. If, if you give $500, uh, the church gets $485 because 3% of $500 is $15. $15 isn't much, right? But last year, our online giving expenses were $7,000. That seems kind of high. So let's do some backward math. <laughs> if the online giving expenses last year were $7,000, and 
it's 3% of 7,000, $250,000 of your 350000 dollars in giving came in that way. <laughs> wow. That was shocking to me. And yet Pastor Chester said, no, it doesn't shock me a bit. <laughs> because again, he doesn't carry cash. That's just not how he does it. So on one hand, your budget team's been trying to figure out how can we get expenses down and get costs down. And on the other hand, we're just going to embrace it. If that's, what we, if that's the way people do business these days. My, my daughter was just at a place the other day that, uh, that wouldn't take uh, cash. It only took check. It only took credit card. Well, I'm just, and then if, if you're the donut shop, they, you have to spend more than three. So I don't, you know, it, it's a confusing world when we don't carry cash. But we're just going to embrace it. We want to make it easy for Cleegee, wherever she is. If, you're, if she's up here serving food, if she's, if she's out somewhere doing a chili supper or a fundraiser. So we're going to expand our online giving or text to give or however you want to say it. Uh, we're going to let you use PayPal, Apple Pay, Venmo, Zelle. It doesn't matter to me. You give however you want to give. We're going to try to make it as easy as possible. I do want to say this, though. In, if you go to your bank and go to your app within your bank or go to your computer and go to your bank website and you tell your bank to send money to the church at the armory through bill pay is the system. It doesn't cost you anything and it doesn't cost the church anything. That's free. That might be a better way. But again, we're going to let you give however you want to give. Starting in January, that 3% charge, it's about 2.7%. But anyway, approximately 3% charge, we're going to give you the choice. When you give, you're going to have the choice of paying the fee or just giving the flat amount and letting the church pay the fee. We're just going to let you have a choice on how you do it. We also want to say we accept your time. We accept you. We graciously accept uh, cars, vans, stocks, IRA distributions, <laughs> clothing, food, Ch children. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are going to begin accepting uh, donations of supplies. Um, Cleegee pointed out to me that, you know, you might not notice it. If you think giving $20 is not important, um, maybe you don't have an extra $20, but when you're at the dollar store and you're buying, you're buying uh, some, some bleach, just buy an extra bottle of bleach, it'll help. Okay? So we want to let, let it be as easy as possible for you to give however you want to give, however the Lord lays it on your heart. But what we don't want is three or four different kinds of glass cleaner. Tiffany wants what Tiffany uses, right? So we're going to give you a list of supplies for the office supplies, kitchen supplies, custodial supplies, so you know exactly what these people use. And if you'd like to give that way, we want to do that. There's going to be a lot of projects, and Brother Jim Jones is in charge of those projects in terms of getting phase two ready. But we'd really like to go full speed ahead on getting that side of the building ready, getting our offices and getting our classrooms ready over there. And uh, so that's as, that's as brief uh, of a summary as I can give you uh, on where we are financially. So just a second, I got to do technical deep thing. So I apologize for that technical stuff. So in terms, of, in terms of church budget, in terms of church things, I'm just saying we're on target. We're doing good. And in my best imitation of joy from friends, how are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? Financially, I mean. How are you doing? I don't want to get up in your business, Really? I'm not going to go around the room. I'm not going to try to get that nosy. I'm just asking, are you where you want to be financially? How are you doing? Are you on target? Are you where you want to be financially? Are you where you want to be with your giving? Again, I'm not much on New Year's resolutions, but this would be the time of the year when you'd start saying, I got to get back to the gym. 
I got to start doing this, got to start doing that better. I should start spending more time here. New beginnings could be on a birthday, right? I'll be 63 in April, and you say, well, 63, how'd that happen? Well, what am I going to do this next year? It could be, it could come at any time. And if, if you make a commitment to say, I'm going to do this differently in my, 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 my budget, my, my spending habits, whatever, um, it's, it might be a great time to do that, just to say, I want to surrender. This part of my life, I want to get back on track. So I gave you a heads up the other day, and I asked you if, if you had any favorite scripture verse on money. Um, real quick, does anybody have one they want to share? Anybody have a scripture verse on money that you want to shout out to me? All right. It's not like Sunday school, is it? It's more like church. All right, well, I have plenty. I'll throw a lot of them at you. Um, money is such a difficult subject. I hope I do it justice, but there's no way I can cover it <laughs> in the short time that we have today. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about money and how you're supposed to handle money, what you're supposed to do with money. I can't possibly cover it all. Uh, I, I can't possibly teach you everything I prepared. <laughs> in fact, what, what got left on the cutting room floor is some pretty good stuff, but I try to narrow it, narrow it, narrow it. Um, so anyway, I can't possibly cover it all, but here we go. Let's try. Some people have more money than other people. Have you noticed <laughs> that, that some people have more peop- money than other people? What does the Lord expect of you? Be faithful. That's all he expects of you. He doesn't expect you to do what other people do. You know the story of the woman who gave the most of anyone in the Bible that's ever given. It wasn't Solomon, one of the richest men, right? It was the woman who gave a small thing, right? So what God values, he looks at the heart. What does God expect of you? I mean, money's a challenging situation. It's, 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 it's difficult to bring up. But what does God really expect of you? Just be faithful with what you have. That's all you can do. And that's all God expects of you. So I'm going to walk you through some things today that I've really been thinking about. When it comes to the church budget, when it comes to how the church is doing financially, and then just to ask you, how are you doing financially? And do you want to do better financially? I want to give you some guidance. I want to give you some tips on that. I just want to talk to you. Uh, I should have brought my Mr. Rogers uh, sweater. I just want to to talk to you like, like a father. I just want to talk to you like a dad, try to give you some ideas. And somewhere in there, you're going to hear something, and you're going to feel guilt. And you're going to feel guilty about something. I want to make sure you understand the difference. If you're feeling guilty about something, the devil comes to steal, kill, destroy. This. It's the devil that's, that's your accuser. It's the devil that comes to condemn you. But the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if, if, you, if you hear something and it, and it challenges you, the Holy Spirit is correcting you, there's a big difference. Because I don't want to say anything to you about your money or your situation that you think is a condemnation. Because I'm not not attacking you, I'm not coming after you. Everything that we do, we should do in love. Okay, so so hear me as a dad, hear me as a father. As a father figure in the the body, I'm going to come at you with love. Not come at you with anything that would be accusational. So what determines, we said just a minute ago, that some people have more money than other people. What determines who has more money or who has less money? It might be your starting point. It might be an inheritance. It might be your parents. It might be the fact that, that you, you grew up in a wealthy family and you have a good starting point. You got the best colleges, you got the best situations, you got the best, you got a car at 16. It might be that your parents, right, gave you a good starting point. And that might be what determines why some people have more money and some people have less money. But what else might determine who has more money and who has less money? I think a big, huge, and I've seen a lot of research on this. A lot of people talk about this in some of the wealthiest investment magazines or business magazines or things I've ever seen. Who you marry 
Not, remember, I said I'm doing everything in love. <laughs> not, not nothing, no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus, right? But who you marry will have a significant... Where's all the, where's all the youth? Who you marry will have a significant impact on how much money you have in your whole life. If you have more money or less money, who you marry. What about your, your job? I mean, your job is going to make a... These aren't necessarily spiritual things, are they? These are very natural things. But your job is going to have a significant impact in how much money you make and how much money you have for the rest of your life. Your spouse's job. I'll tell you, there were many, many times when Patty's paycheck carried us. <laughs> if you own a business... And if you're, if you're in the business that I'm in, there are times when business is very, very good, and there's times when it's not so good. You go through ups and downs in the markets. You go through ups and downs in the economy. You go through ups and downs. A friend of mine owns a timber business, and the timber business, sometimes he, he's doing really well, and sometimes he's not doing well at all. It's just the natural course of it. So your job, your spouse's job, your decisions that you make in life, the decisions you make all the way through life. My son is a dentist, and, and I'm, I'm happy to say he, he's, he's doing much better than I am. I'm happy for that. And if, if I asked you when did my son become a dentist, it wasn't when they handed him the DR to go in front of his name. When did he become a dentist? It wasn't when he passed state boards. He was becoming a dentist in junior high school. He didn't know it. But he was studying hard all the way through, through high school. And at the Baylor College of Dentistry in, in Texas, they don't have to take any students from Arkansas. It's a Texas school. They only take two students from Arkansas at the most, and sometimes they don't take any. And the year they accepted my son to be a dentist, to, be, to, to study to go into dentistry, they only took one, and it was him. My son made one B in college. And you might say, well, so did I. I made a B in college. The rest were C's. No, I'm saying <laughs> my son had a, a, a 4.0 GPA in college. Got one B. I guess he's got a 3.999. And to be accepted into the Baylor College of Dentistry was very, very tough, very, very difficult. And so I'm just saying he paid the price, did all the things necessary all through high school and all through college. And there'd be a Tuesday night come up, and, and people would say, let's go out and get some pizza, let's go out and do something. And he'd say, no, i got to study. And they'd say, well, that test didn't until Friday. Let's go out and get this Tuesday. No, he said, I'm going to study. He was becoming a dentist way back then, paying the price, doing all the things necessary. Your work ethic, some of these things I just listed, some of these things you can control, some of these things uh, you can't control. You have no control over at all. But what is God's will for you? And what is God's will for your money? I just told you, be faithful wherever you are. Now, what is prosperity according to the word? What's, what does prosperity actually mean according to the Bible? I'm convinced, and I'm convinced by the word. I'll show you some scriptures. I'm convinced by the word that God wants you to prosper. But first, we've got to cover this subject just for a minute. How have we messed this up so badly? How is prosperity such a dirty word? How is it that we've done such a terrible job communicating it? Some of it has to be preachers. Prosperity preachers, they created their own category. <laughs> prosperity preachers messed it up. Uh, maybe it was your Aunt Mildred who messed it up, who told you that money was the root of all evil. And it's, you know, it's not money that's the root of all evil, right? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. But So there's a lot of ways we, we may have messed this up. But I think one way that we messed it up, and we get confused about biblical prosperity, is that we use the world's definitions of things. And we use the world's definition of rich. We use the world's definition of prosperity. So I want you, just for a minute, to clean the slate, scrap all those definitions. Remember that you're supposed to walk by what? 
faith and not by sight. Okay, I'm going to give you several examples of where you haven't been doing that. You've been walking by sight, not by faith. All right? If you measure rich in terms of what you can see, then you've been walking by sight, not by faith. Cerise Allen uh, was, young, was a young lady who cut hair here in our town, and her son's name was... Um, he asked me one day, her son asked me, are you rich? <laughs> well, I, I, what a great compliment. And I had to say, no, no, I know some people who are rich, but I'm not rich. Um, if you measure your net worth, if you, excuse me, I said that wrong. If you measure your worth by your net worth, then you're walking by sight and you're not walking by faith. So if you're going to quote me, quote me correctly. I'll say it better this time. If you measure your worth by your net worth, then you're walking by sight, not by faith. Jesus said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But we've been doing that. We've been doing that just, not, just out of habit, the, the way the world judges rich. The way the world measures success. And, and we should not do it the way the world does it. We shouldn't measure success the way the world measures success. If you use someone's car, someone's house, someone's income to decide if they're rich, you're walking by sight. You're not walking by faith. The trappings of wealth. Listen, I know people who, who fly to the ra all the Razorback games, have a big RV, they travel, all that stuff. I know people who have a lot of cash flow, but they don't, they're broke. But the, but the story from Bentonville, Arkansas, you know the story. I mean, Sam Walton drove that old truck uh, for a long, long time. He didn't have the trappings. Of, in, in, there's a book called The Millionaire Next Door. You heard of the book? The dry cleaner probably has more money than the doctor. I'm just saying that the business, the, 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 way, the way that you think about wealth and the way you look at rich, it's, it's probably been wrong. You're trying to judge someone's, uh, someone's uh, wealth by, like you're their accountant or something. And you're looking at their W-2. That should not be our measurement of rich. It should not be our measurement of prosperity. I'll tell you that rich is relative anyway. There was a guy who used to go to church here, moved away a long time ago. Marshall Sharp pointed out to me one time, very wise man, said that when you compare yourself to the kings of old, the kings in the Old Testament or the kings in medieval times, and if you compared what they had and what they could do to what you have, I mean, they might look at you and say, you're more wealthy than they were. If they were able to look at your house and see your appliances and see how you wash clothes, they didn't have, what about indoor plumbing? What about heat? What about air conditioning? What about communication technology? What about your cell phone? They didn't have any of those things. Do you realize for 66 cents, you can walk into the post office and you say, would you, would you carry this to Matt Wolfskill for me? And they'll say, sure. He lives all the way in Wyoming, and for 66 cents, they'll deliver that. <laughs> I'm just saying, rich is so relative. If you've been to Nicaragua, if you've been on a mission trip, and, and you've seen other situations and other people, let me tell you something, you're rich. Okay, so let's scrap the definitions of what we used to think of as rich. Let's just start over and get convinced by the word of God what rich really means and what prosperity really means. So what is prosperity according to the word? Well, why don't we ask him? He is the word. Word was God, words was with Okay. So what's prosperity according to the word? It, you know, the first one that you should have shouted out when I asked you what's your favorite verse, the easiest one, I think, is Philippians 4 that says, My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, what you need to do is read Philippians 3 and the rest of 4 before you get to this verse, and he'll say, Thank you for the gift. Thank you for giving. Thank you for taking care of me. And since you took care of me, God's going to meet all your needs. There was some seed time and harvest going on there. There was some giving that came first. And this is when he made this declaration that he says, my God will meet all your needs 
according all your needs. Now, I'm talking to you about money, but this is not just financial. Okay? Here's a key to prosperity. It's not just financial. He says, my God will meet all your needs. All your needs. Not just your financial needs. All your needs. Then he says, he'll meet all your needs according to what? According to him who has the cattle on a thousand hills. That's who. <laughs> okay? That's the guy. <laughs> that's going to meet your needs. All right? Prosperity, according to the word, applies to every area of your life, not just your money. Your prosperity is every part of your life. And you find that in 3 John. He says, Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Another translation says, I wish above all things. <laughs> I wish above all things. Wait a minute. Hey, more than anything else, I hope you prosper. Really? How about that? I wish above all things that you prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. I really hope, one translation says, I hope you're doing well. We say that all the time, right? Hope you're doing well. You're looking good. I hope everything goes well for you in the coming year. That's what he's saying. I wish above all things. I hope everything's going your way. Sounds to me like God wants you to prosper. And again, it's not limited finances. It includes finances, but he wants you to succeed. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to improve. He wants you to grow every area of your life. That's physical. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It's, it's family relationships. Has anybody got a family relationship that's a little bit on, uh, little bit on edge? Okay, family, <laughs> a little bit on the edge was polite, right? I mean, sometimes family relationships are a wreck, okay? Prosperity means he wants that situation to flourish. He wants that situation to recover. Every area of your life, I wish above all things that you prosper in your finances, in your health, in your, in your social situations, emotionally, mentally, every work relationships, every area of your life, prosperity ought to be the key. It ought to be flourishing. According to the word, prosperity is the blessing of the Lord. Proverbs 10 says that the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Now, I want you to remember when I say wealth, go back, don't, 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 don't fall back to those definitions of how we used to measure wealth until a few minutes ago, right? We're not just going to measure wealth by money, by cars, by houses, right? It includes finances, though. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. He adds no sorrow to it. He brings no pain with it. You've seen wealth with trouble, okay? The blessing of the Lord brings wealth with no trouble. Okay? So if there's trouble with the wealth, it wasn't the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord brings both to you, and it's an all-encompassing thing. It's not just money. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. I'm going to give you several verses here that talk about the fact that I get, have me convinced by the word that God wants you to prosper. The next one is Deuteronomy chapter 8. But remember the Lord your God. Again, you got to read the rest of Deuteronomy 7 and 8. He's saying, don't get so high on yourself when things start really going well and think that it was you that did all this. But remember, it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability. Time out. What's that mean? The ability. The ability is Patty's understanding of chemistry, of pharmacy of biology, right? It's her ability to listen, to be able to look at you and say, what's really going on, right? She gets into, gets, she, she has the ability because of the training, because of the background. It's the Lord that gives you the ability. One translation says the power to produce wealth. Why? Because he made a promise in Genesis 12. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability, the power to get wealth, and so confirms his covenant. He swore that covenant to your ancestors. That covenant's still true today. And I'm going to give you the power 
and the ability to get wealth, and remember where that wealth came from when it comes to you, that when it comes, that I did it to confirm the covenant that I made with Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. So God wants you to succeed. God wants you to get promoted. God wants you to get a raise. Bottom line is God wants to bless you. God is for you. He's not against you. And he's not against you having money. Ephesians 3 says, To him who is able to do exceeding, exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. i got to go to my Star Wars background because Han Solo is trying to get convinced to save Princess Leia. And Luke says, hey, she'll make you rich. And he says, how rich? And he says, well, more than you can imagine. And Han Solo says, well, I can imagine quite a bit. Above, able to do exceedingly above all you can ask or think according to his power that works in him. Uh, apparently, God's not against you having money. 1 Timothy 6, he says, command those who are rich in, these world, in this world. Wait a minute. He didn't say don't be rich. He didn't say about those rich people, they really shouldn't be rich. He said, command those who are rich, according to the world's goods, to not be prideful, not be haughty, don't set their hope in their riches. Command those who are rich in the world's goods. He's not against you being rich. In fact, he provides it for our enjoyment. That covenant I just mentioned to you was found in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Which is the purpose for your prosperity. Your prosperity has a purpose. You're blessed to be a blessing. Your money has a reason. Your money has a powerful force. Your money can really be used for something. And, it, and it, even if that is being used to give other people a job, that's a good thing. Patty and I built a house a few years ago. We employed a lot of people. We were a blessing to a lot of people. Gave the carpenter, the electrician, the plumber, the roofer. We gave a lot of people jobs. It wasn't just because I handed out money. It's because they did something for me. But I'm saying I was a blessing to those people. Gave them work. All right? So I will bless you and you will be a blessing. When you're blessed, you're supposed to be a blessing. This covenant is both. He says, I will bless you. Is not just, that's not the only part of the covenant. The covenant is, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. The covenant is both. Be a blessing when you get blessed, because I'm blessing you to be a blessing, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Now, in order for you to be a blessing to other people, you have to have more than you need. Philippians 4 says, I will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But if you were to pray, Lord, I'm not asking for much. Lord, I just want enough so I can pay my bills, and I just want enough so I can take care of my family, and that's all I want. I'm not asking for much. That's a selfish prayer. Because you, you need more than just what you need. If you're going to help other people. If you're going to take care of other people. If you're going to meet the needs of the church here. I just mentioned a few. But if you're going to meet. I didn't, I didn't come here to preach why you need to give today. We already took the offering. <laughs> okay. I'm not asking you to give today. I'm, I'm asking you to think about where you want to be financially. But right here. This is the purpose for the blessing. The blessing is so you can, be, you can bless others. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 gives you even more background on this. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly. Now, why would he bless you abundantly? Why would he give you more than you need? El Shaddai is kind of like that, the all-sufficient one. Jehovah Jireh is going to meet all your needs, right? He's kind of like that. Jesus says, I've, I've come to give life and give it more abundantly. That's not a financial verse. Sure it is. If you think about prosperity the way I've been trying to explain it, prosperity is everything. It includes finances, not limited to finances. Jesus says, I've, I've come to give life and come to give it more abundantly. Okay, 2 Corinthians 9 says, I, I, God is able to bless you abundantly. Why? So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, Again, I'm not being critical of you. Don't take this as a condemnation. 
But if you're coming up short, if you're coming up where there's too much month at the end of the money, right? What's that old country song? Okay, this scripture is a promise that you should be claiming. And you should be claiming this promise and praying this promise and believing this promise and reminding the Lord of this promise and saying, Lord, we're going to live according to your promises. And we're going to live according to this, that you, that, God, that you said you would bless us so that in all things, at all times, having all that I need, I can do the next thing. And that is that I can abound abundance. I can abound to every good work. Having all things at all times, all that you need, sounds like Philippians 4, and then he adds, so that you can abound uh, to good work. 2 Corinthians 8 says that you should excel in faith, you should excel in your speech, you should excel in your knowledge, you should be gaining knowledge. You should be getting more and more knowledge of what the Word of God says. You should be growing in your faith, you should be growing in your, in, in your speech, you should be growing in your knowledge. You should be in complete earnestness in your love for us. We encourage you to also excel in this grace of giving. Giving ought to be one of those things that you excel at doing. Patty and I just try to make up, just, we try to just be, live a lifestyle of giving. I, I can give you several examples. Um, if, it, if it doesn't look I'm bragging or anything, I just want to tell you that we're, we're, we live a lifestyle of giving. There are several times when we, we were moving somewhere, we were gonna we, we were gonna have a garage sale, and uh, I advertised it as a free garage sale. I don't want I don't want you to give me ten dollars for this and fifty dollars for that. Now I don't I don't want I don't want you to take it and then see it in your garage sale next week, but I want you to take it. It's free. I'll give it to you. We give things away. We give things that we've outgrown. We give things that we don't use anymore. We're giving Cleegy stuff all the time. Um, we, we, we gave away a vehicle. I took a, I took a young man to, to our, <laughs> to our uh, garage one day, and I said, see these golf clubs right here? I, I just, I, I'm going to give you something. I want to tell you about these golf clubs right here. Um, I made up some long fake story about how they were my dad's golf clubs, and they meant a lot to me, but now I'm not going to give you these golf clubs. I'm going to give you that truck right there. <laughs> if you live a lifestyle of giving, it's an, it, it ought to be a habit to you that you ought to look for every opportunity to give. How can I give? What can I, how can I be generous? And, and, and one place is, is the waitress at the restaurant. Don't be a stingy type, uh, tipper. You know, give, give big. Um, give, a, give a bigger tip. So God wants you to prosper I told you that I, I'm convinced by the word that God wants to prosper you. So um, as, if, as if I haven't been already, uh, can we talk about what's real? <laughs> can, we get, can we get real for just a minute? Uh, prosperity is not going to fall in your lap. God wants you to prosper, but you have a role to play. It's, it's really not that different than your salvation. Your salvation is a free gift, right? Your, your salvation was freely offered to you. Your salvation is freely available. It's a gift. But if you don't accept this gift, you're not saved. Salvation, you have a role to play in your deliverance. Deliverance isn't going to fall in your lap easy. Deliverance isn't going to be easy. If you go through a process of deliverance, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a fight, and you're going to win it. But you've got to be determined, this is, how we're going, this is what we're going to do. So I'm convinced by the word that he wants you to prosper. But you absolutely have a role to play. And I want to give you, quick as I can, several things that hinder your prosperity. And the number one thing that would hinder your prosperity is that you didn't know you were supposed to prosper. <laughs> Hosea 4 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so if you didn't know those scriptures that I just read you, that you're supposed to prosper, then you wouldn't be prospering. Not your fault until now. <laughs> but my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge uh, is, 
That's why I teach. I mean, that's why I stand here. My mission in life is that no one's destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite verses. That's, 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 why, that's why I want to talk to you. Here's some other things that are holding you back. Okay, we're just going to talk about what's real. And don't take it personal if I, if I hit on a nerve. One is complaining. If you complain, complain about what? I don't care. Complain about anything. If you complain, then you fail the test. Now, what happens when you fail a test? You get to take it again. <laughs> if you complain, then you're going to get to come around that mountain one more time. And you're going to get another chance to see if you're going to complain. And if you complain again, eh, do you want to come out of this wilderness or do you want to come around that mountain one more time? Okay? So, now I complain about technology when it doesn't work. I complain about my cell phone when I can't get a signal. I complain when things break. I complain when my computer locks up. I complain when I, I can't get in because I can't find a password. I'm just telling you. I don't care. It doesn't matter what you're complaining about, what gets on your nerves. If you, if you complain about it, you're going to have to come around that mountain again. The reason my tech doesn't work is because I keep complaining about it. You see what I'm saying? That's going to happen in your life. When something goes wrong, when, when someone else at work gets the promotion that you think you deserved, you got an opportunity to complain. And if you complain, then the next time the promotion comes around, it'll go to somebody else because you failed the first test. And, it, and it'll happen again and again and again until you pass the test. Until you decide, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be happy for the person who got the promotion. I'm going to try to work my best with them and do whatever I can to support them. How quick are you to complain? Or how quick are you to get over it? I recently had a, a, a very, very significant potential business opportunity fall through. And I thought it was a done deal. And it fell apart. And it took me a minute. That's figure of speech. Um, it took me a while to get over it. But I knew, I knew for, as soon as it happened. I mean, Patty and I talked and I'd say, okay, I'm over it. I'm over it. But I, got, I just got one more thing. I got, I, I got to point this out. I just got to get it off my head. Okay. Okay. And I'm not going to worry about it anymore. But I did think of one more thing. I got, um, you got you to say I'm, instantly. The first thing I did say was, thank you. Lord. I mean, it's a cliche that when he closes one door, he opens another. But I'm just telling you that it could have been as simple as the fact that I was not driving on I-20 on, on July the 6th, and I wasn't in that accident and didn't die. I mean, God directs you. A man, a man makes a plan, but God orders his steps. I have no idea why he didn't want me to go into that business venture. I have no idea why he didn't want me to do that. But there was a reason why he didn't want me to. Maybe one day I'll learn more and more about why. Right now, all I got to do is not complain. Say, Lord, I trust you. You got this. It'll be all right. Right? So complaining can get you into trouble. If you, if you suffer a financial setback, if you get laid off at work, uh, how quickly are you to complain? What if your house burns down and you have nothing? Patty and I lost a house to a fire, if you don't know. Patty and I lost a house to a fire about five, six years ago. I'm losing track of time. I mean, it was tough. Financially, you know, we had insurance. We have money. We, were, we weren't hurt financially. Uh, physically, nobody was hurt. Uh, emotionally, it was, it was, you know, train wreck. It was hard, very hard. But... In the middle of that thing, as, 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 as I'm watching the house on fire, I mean, you know what you got to do. You know what you have to say. And we did. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we trust you. Um, all these things were just things. And, and um, you know, I've, I've never seen the righteous forsaken his seed begging bread. We, we just, we quoted scriptures. We stood there and we, we never did get let it, let it get the best of us. Uh, Philippians 4 uh, Paul says, I've learned to be content. 
That's, a, that's one of the biggest challenges in, in me teaching you prosperity is also telling you to be content. You've got to be content in whatever situation you're in. Paul said, I've, I know what it's like to be in, in need. I know what it's like to have plenty. And I've learned the, the secret of being content in whatever situation I'm in. So how long will it take you? You decide, I'm going to start doing better. I'm going to start living better. I'm going to start losing weight. How long does it take you? More than 24 hours? Does it take you a year? I mean, as you, as you set yourself in this course to do better and, and, and live better, um, you got to be content. you got to be content with your situation. All right? Okay, furthermore on complaining, you got to stop complaining about what other people make. you got to stop complaining about what movie stars and athletes and, and chief executive officers or corporations, you got to stop complaining about what other people make because they don't deserve it. Hey, you're not their accountant. You're not their judge. Uh, you're not in control. Let the free market decide what their cash flow ought to be. Stop complaining about other people's money. Because the next one I want to get to is envy. Envy is going to hold you back. I'm just telling you, envy is a hindrance to your prosperity. Envy is going to trip you up. And, and I could give you 411 scriptures on that. And whenever envy is in a scripture, it's also in there with a lot of other stuff that you don't want it to be in there with. It's a bad one. Okay? It's a bad one. But envy can sometimes be obvious. Envy can sometimes just say, well, she's prettier than me. She's skinnier than me. But what about money? You need to stop comparing yourself to other people to determine if you're prosperous or not. God wants you to prosper, but it's not according to what other people are doing. It's not according to what other people have. Bethany's uh, brothers, Bethany Hale's brothers, have two different jobs. One's a baseball coach, one's a pharmacist. Which one do you think makes more money? I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? You don't need to be envious of what someone else is making. What job did God call you to? All right? It, ben is the baseball coach, right? Is Ben fulfilling the call of God on his life? Is Ben doing exactly what God wants him to do as a missionary to all the athletes, that he, that all the students he works with? I hope so. I hope that's what God's called him to do. All right? So what's God called you to do? Figure that out. And take the job that God's called you to do. But don't be envious of the other person that's making more money than you. I had a conversation with Devin uh, Barry. Uh, he's working at my house one day. I wish he was here because I'm embarrassing. But I said, Devin, you're in college. What are you studying? What do you want to do? He said, well, I think I'm either going to be an EMT or a dentist. What? You're in college. Do you have any idea what it takes to be an EMT? Hey, all work is honorable. I told Devin, it, Devin, it doesn't matter. What, what God calls you to do, go do. Jordan Matheson... It, and, and uh, Amanda, uh, they're heading off to do something just really, really wonderful. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's going to make them wealthy in the way the world measures wealth. They've got to do what God calls them to do. All right? But that's going to affect your career. Your career affects your income. So if you're envious about what other people are making, stop doing it. <laughs> There's always going to be somebody with a bigger house, better job. Uh, you can't get selfish. You can't envy. Um, the one verse I picked out for that was that, that envy rots the bones. And envy you know, sneaks in there. You didn't intend for it. And before long, you're complaining about what somebody else makes. I always tell Chester he preaches too long and look at me. Sorry I kept you so long. Um, greed. I, I, I don't need to give you verses on greed. You know you're not supposed to be greedy. Next. Um, lack of giving. This is a hindrance to your prosperity. I don't want to harp on giving, and I don't want to tell you that you're not giving enough. I'm just going to tell you, ask you, how are you doing? <laughs> are you okay with what you're giving? Are you okay with where you are financially? If you are, I am. I'm not on you, okay? I'm not chastising you. I'm just telling you, one person gives freely and yet gains even more. Isn't the, the Bible sometimes kind of backwards? 
It says the first will be last, last will be first. Here, if you give, you have, this is a subtraction situation. If you give, you have less than you had before you gave. Nope. That's not how that, God's math doesn't work that way. One person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another person holds back more than they should and leads to poverty. That's powerful stuff from Proverbs. A generous person will prosper. Luke 6 says give. What happens? It's a seed first, harvest later. Give, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just asking you. How are you doing? <laughs> because do you want it to be different? Here's how you start. Malachi 3, he's, uh, you, this is a famous verse about tithes and offerings. He says, you're robbing me. And, and he says, how can we rob God? We can't possibly rob God. Uh, well, you haven't brought things into my storehouse. Test me. This is the only time God's ever going to say this in the Bible. He said, test me in your money. And see, if you bring food into my storehouse, if there won't be a floodgate open to you, and I'll pour out a blessing that there won't even be room enough for you to, to, to store it up. And then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So a lot of times we spend time thinking about this verse, that he will throw open the floodgates of heaven. He'll pour out a blessing. We don't think about that last part. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. If you're not giving, the devourer is not rebuked. You want the devourer to be rebuked? You want God to tell the devil to shut up? The devil to get off your finances? That's how you do it. Um, last one I want to cover. I'm out of time. Sorry. All my notes. Is um, lack of a budget. Now, most of the time, prosperity preachers will be preaching to you about how, how you're not giving enough, and if you'll give, just give more, then you'll get more. I'm going to tell you a little bit more of a natural truth, <laughs> okay? How many accountants are at Murphy USA? <laughs> I mean, corporations have st st people on staff. All they do is count the money, and they cut costs, and, and they know how much they're spending. Corporations that, that bring in enormous sums of money, they still operate on a budget. And yet most people do not. Most people do not operate on a budget. And if you decide I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to live differently, I'm going to do things differently in my health, it might take a while. But it doesn't matter how much God wants to prosper you. If you're not living on a budget, I'm just going to say this. If, if you inherited money a large sum of money, because I know you didn't play the lottery, right? But let's say somehow you came into a large sum of money. For most people who come, it's, it's a modern day um, proverb. People who come into a large sum of money are broke fairly short order, right? Okay, because they haven't been faithful in little things, they can't be faithful in large things, okay? So living on a budget will teach you that. Living on a budget will do that for you. So, Living on a budget is not a bad thing. And yet prosperity says it should be abundance. It should be overflow. Prosperity says you should always have more than enough. I'm going to tell you, you're always going to need to live on a budget. Do you know entertainers who are broke? Of course you do. Well, Willie Nelson, Elvis, uh, Prince, uh, Michael Jackson. I mean, at one point or another, more often while they were living, not when they were. <laughs> Elvis is worth more now than then, right? I'm just saying, um, athletes, uh, anybody remember uh, William the Refrigerator Perry from Chicago Bears? Um, he's, he's, he's a bricklayer. And I, t I told you just a minute ago, all work is honorable work. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying he went through a lot of money at one time, and it's gone. Didn't live on a budget. You got to live on a budget. You got in good times and in bad times. You've got to be able to learn how to handle money. And if you say to yourself, if you say to your spouse, that's not in the budget right now, we're going to have to do better. We're going to have to save up. We're going to have to get to the point where we can do that. And if you say that's not in the budget right now, that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you're not prosperous at all. 
In fact, if you say that's not in the budget right now, you're being faithful in little things. And you're proving and you're demonstrating that you can be faithful in larger things. For 2024, for you and for your family, uh, from me and my family, we just want to say, we just pray that the Lord would bless you, that he'd bless you indeed, that he'd enlarge your territory. We pray that the Lord would bless you in every area of your life. And we pray that you would excel in the grace of giving. We pray that you would excel in every area. I forgot that I have a handout. And if you'll give me just two minutes, I need like five, four or five volunteers. Pass these out real quick. I want to show you something. here okay yeah I know so here's my encouragement to you I want, I want you to pray this I want you to pray this over your family I want you to pray this over uh, over yourself um, mom there they are right there say Lord please bring me to the level of prosperity that your word promises Lord, bring me to the level of prosperity that your word promises because I, I believe you're probably not living up to the level of prosperity that you could be experiencing. Just like, listen, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying your prayer life's the same way, right? How much time you spend in the word, how much time you spend in worship. We could probably step up our game, right, in every area. So, Lord, bring me to the level of prosperity that your word promises. Now, Lord... Please give me a full understanding of the call that you have on my life and bring me to the level of prosperity necessary to fulfill that call. So what call does God have on your life? And we think of Jordan and Amanda heading off on the mission field. You're in a mission field too, okay? So what has God called you to do? And what is the necessary funding for you to prosper in that call in your life. And the call on your life's not the same as the call on my life. Your job's not the same as my job. It's, my job pays more than your job. That's, not, that's the world's definition of prosperous. God's definition of prosperous is right here. What's the call of God on your life? And Lord, please give me a full understanding of the call that you have on my life and bring me to the level of prosperity necessary to fulfill that call. Lord, do not let me covet what another man has. Let me be content with what you've called me to do and content with the blessings that you have for me. Lord, please, please bring me to the full level of potential that you have for me in my career. Give me supernatural ability in making decisions and wisdom in business and in every area of my life. Lord, please show me the most effective places to give that will have the biggest impact in your kingdom. Open my heart, open my eyes, and open my ears to even the smallest of opportunities to be generous. Father God, in Jesus' name, I just pray that the, that the seed of the word went out and that it fell into good soil. Lord, we just declare to you that we have, we have fully surrendered every area of our, of our thought life, uh, of every, everything that we do, we fully surrender our entire lives. And Lord, we commit and surrender that our finances belong to you, that it all belongs to you.
We just pray, Lord, that we bring glory to your name. Lord, we just commit and surrender to be faithful in what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you haven't...